So here's the thing about corporate media in 2022. You're fine as long as you stick to the script. But if you start to explore outside of that script, you're in for trouble, real trouble. And today's guest has learned that she's the co-host of The Hills Rising. It's a popular bipartisan show on the Internet. She has devoted herself to rejecting the narratives and actually looking for truth. But she did something much worse. She questioned the motives of Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum after watching a segment I did with Tucker Carlson. While she called me a bit loony, she admitted there's something fishy about the global elite's ominous plan for a kind of a new world order, something that Joe Biden called for this week. And that new world order destroys free market capitalism and replaces it with something called stakeholder capitalism. It's not capitalism. It is literally the definition of fascism. Her opposition to the narrative is that the Great Reset is just a crazy Glenn Beck conspiracy theory. It didn't sit well with the people who script the narratives. Then she made things worse by forming a unique opinion about the covid vaccine. And as if that wasn't enough, she questioned the narrative about Russia and Ukraine. In 2020, her Wikipedia page was deleted. Last year, she was banned from Facebook. She's also had videos removed from Instagram and YouTube because she had the gall to question the COVID narrative and air clips of Donald Trump. She's a progressive Democrat or used to be. Now she says, I'm definitely not a progressive, but I don't know what I am. And I wanted to know why. Find out with me today. She is very complex. The Glenn Beck Podcast, our host today, Kim Iverson. If you're one of the millions of Americans who suffer every day from pain, listen up. There is hope, and it comes in the form of relief factor. Every day, I see people who testify that they tried it. And they didn't think it was going to work, but they got their life back. 70% of the people who try Relief Factor find relief for their pain. That's why they order more Relief Factor month after month after month. 70%. Maybe you're in the 30%. But if your life has changed because of pain, it is worth seeing if Relief Factor will work. It's worked for me. You can get the three-week quick start right now. Try it. 1995. If you uh, want a drug-free natural way to get your life back, go to relieffactor.com. That's relieffactor.com. Hi. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Good. Um, I, I, you are a fascinating person. Um, and I want to get to your backstory a little later. But right now, let's just start with Ukraine. Um, if I can quote you, uh, you argued, I don't have the exact quote here, um, that this this Ukrainian war is a way for Biden to distract from his dumpster fire of a presidency and that Biden is mentally grooming us for war. Tell me about that. Well, yeah, I mean, it kind of seems like, um, you know, obviously we should not be going into a war with Russia. Mm-hmm. I, I, maybe there's people that actually think we should. But uh, to I me, don't. it just seems like an obvious <laughs> insanity. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but really with just this kind of we're now even hearing even lately they're going to use chemical weapons. Mm-hmm. And so therefore we must what 
rush in and save them, yeah. save the people. Um, so we are, we're, of course, no one's going to rush into war directly. They always have to do a grooming process because mm-hmm. people are very hesitant to go into a war. Mm-hmm. So they have to set the stage, and that takes time. And that time is uh, you start off with, here's a brutal dictator, and then it kind of morphs into now they're, they're committing atrocities. You know, they've invaded. And then, of course, now we hear genocide being thrown out. That's another big word that people use in order to get the that that triggers an emotion that yeah. makes people want to go to war. So can I because the one thing that I like to do is um, engage in conversation where there's nuance, but there is no nuance in America anymore. It's either it's either Ukraine is the greatest, most pristine state ever. They're all angels and Putin is evil or Putin is great and these guys are all Nazis. Neither of those are true. Right. We know who Putin is. Can you, how would you describe Putin? not talking about the war, but how would you describe Putin? Well, he's obviously strong and mm-hmm. he cares a lot about his people. I know that people don't really like to hear good things about Putin, so you know, I'm sure I'll be labeled a Putin puppet, but um, the, the bottom line is people in Russia like him. They like him a lot. The vast majority mm-hmm. of them actually do. Mm-hmm. Um, but how would you, looking at him and his history, who is he? I, you know, for me, I, don't, I try not to make any judgments on leaders because I think once you make a judgment and it's negative, it, it uh, is rhetoric for warfare. So I try not to. Okay, so, so, let, me, so let me ask you because I know you're very anti-war. Is that generally or because I'm with you on the same. We're on the same page. I'm not trying to get you here. We're on the same page mm-hmm. on the war. I'm just trying to understand how you're getting there. Are you anti-war? At any cost or just anti this war? I, I'm not anti all wars. Okay. Some wars we would have to fight. I mean, yeah. I, certainly I think we should defend our country yes. if our country yes. were at risk. We just haven't really been that at risk. I mean, we're very isolated <laughs> right. over here. And we're, we're seemingly fighting all kinds of wars that are ridiculous. We shouldn't be. We shouldn't be there. And they're making us less safe, actually, yes. in a lot of cases. They so. Are. Uh, no, I, I absolutely believe we should be fighting wars that would protect us if we have to defend sure. ourselves. Also, of course, if there is a real true atrocity like the Holocaust going on mm-hmm. in Germany again, then, yeah, I do think that there would be some. Well, it, it amazes me. We are quick to run to um, to the help of Ukraine. Uh, and yet and, and we use these moral uh, reasons. And yet we don't do anything about the genocide in China that we know about. Mm -hmm. We know what's happening to the Uyghurs. Nobody's talking about that. Nobody's rushing into war on that. We've made a calculation. No way to win that. Right. I don't understand how you win a war against Putin. So but when you say Putin, you know, you don't want to judge. He's a killer. Right. Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm sure. Yes, absolutely. He is a killer. Yes, he's a killer. Right. He's He's a a killer. killer. Yeah. Um, I think many leaders around the world are also killers. So it's difficult to, unfortunately, and and we shouldn't be killers. People shouldn't be killers. But we've got many in our American government who are also killers. So I don't know, you know, him individually as a KGB agent, I would assume he killed people. Um, I, but so, you know, so that would be, of course, my assumption that he yeah. personally did. Yeah. And he's, he's ordered the right. deaths of a lot of people. Um, all right. Ukraine, you've done a lot of work on Ukraine. Yeah. 
this another thing you can't be subtle on. Um, Ukraine is wildly corrupt. Uh, the, the Bidens were there uh, along with Hillary Clinton and George Soros and everybody else, and they just raped that country. Um, and it's known for its corruption. But we can't say that. Well, I mean, we can. We just get into <laughs> And I do. I mean, I mention it all the time that Ukraine is a very corrupt country. It's, it's known as one of the most corrupt countries. Mm-hmm. Um, their government, you know, in 2014, we kind of rushed in, um, staged a coup, toppled the government. And it was what? We transferred them from one, um, one oligarch to another oligarch, Correct. right? Run by Russians or run by the West. Either Correct. way, it's a corrupt country. Mm-hmm. Zelensky had, I believe, prior to this, like a 22% approval rating. I mean, something extremely low. The people do not trust their government in Ukraine. They have no um, reason to. When they were talking about vaccine hesitancy, right, this was a big topic around the world for a while, and they would point at Ukraine and say, why are they not getting the vaccine? And then they would discover, well, it's because they don't trust their government. So these are the, this is a group of people that are, they've just been ping-ponged back and forth between different oligarchs. Mm-hmm. They don't really have a true democracy. It's a faux d- democracy. Um, their government siphons away the money and puts it in their own piggy banks. So they're not. So, of course, when this war broke out, when Russia invaded, there is a sort of rhetoric going on that, oh, these Ukrainians are picking up arms. They're fighting for their country. Not necessarily true. They were conscripted back in. They were trying to leave the country. Many of them, many of them have fled the country, as we've seen. Uh, The numbers are, if they're accurate, enormous. I don't know if we've seen that many flee a country during wartime. I think, what is it? They're saying a fifth or a fourth of the country Mm -hmm. has left. I mean, that's that's a lot of people. However, you will see, because in the in all the wars that we've fought in the last 20 years, I've said every time you'll know if there is going to be if this country is going to get freedom or not, because you can't get we always keep coming to these countries. and We're like, we're going to give them democracy and freedom, please. Have we ever done that? Have we ever done that? Yeah, I think we did in Japan um, and somewhat Germany, but. Our footprint is it remains there, Um, but uh, not lately. And it's because I think you can't hand freedom. You have to earn freedom. And I've said in the last few wars, look for the person that can be on the stamp. If there's a person that does heroic things and is standing for their country, if there's somebody that can be on the stamp of a new free country, they're going to have freedom. And you do have a lot of those people. I think, I, you know, I think it's really weird. I'd love to hear your thought on this. Ukraine, Russia, I think this is a very convenient war. Let's put it that way. Just a very convenient war for everybody involved, mm-hmm. uh, except the people. I think Brexit, the Ukrainian people who are fighting for their country, They're not necessarily fighting for what the government wants. They're not fighting for a new world order. They're not fighting. They're just fighting. Leave me alone. I just want my life. Same thing with Brexit. Same thing with the yellow vests. Same thing with the people who protest in Russia. Leave me alone. Same thing with the Canadian truckers. There is this sense in the world that we're getting screwed by the elites Everybody's government is doing something and it's all corrupt and it's all interconnected. It's all global. And people are saying, I don't want any of that. Do you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. 
I mean, people want to be left alone, fundamentally. People just don't want their government directing them, telling them what to do, especially when it's things against their wishes. Uh, They don't want to have to fight for a corrupt government. I do agree with you that there are many Ukrainians who, of course, are fighting for their own Mm -hmm. independence of some sort. But I think a lot of them don't even know what that even would be. They don't have it. They haven't had it. Can I tell you how many, the last 10 years of the war in Iraq and everything else, I talked to soldiers and they were like, I don't even know what I'm fighting for. I mean, that that is the sad truth in in World War Two. We were pretty clear what we were fighting. I don't know if anybody if, if this thing goes awry, if Russia and Ukraine, if this thing spreads for any reason, this is going to be the most avoidable war in my life. Yeah. Because I don't know a single person outside of those getting bombed in Ukraine that are saying, yeah, let's bring more in. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, this was I I do think it's still very solvable. It's only been going on for how many days now? 20 something. Um, So it certainly could be solved even now. I think that they they could. Well, they get to the table and they could actually negotiate. I mean, Putin hasn't actually changed his demands from the beginning of this. He said there are certain things you must do in order for me to not take this step. And for one, Russia has been saying this to us for 30 years, longer than 30 years. They've said, don't put NATO up to my doorstep. That's Mm -hmm. what I'm asking for. So that's one of the things they could have done early on. The president could have just said there's no even discussions on nato fine we're not going to be in nato we're not even talking about nato yeah that could have been done yeah and and ukraine put it in their constitution that they were going to be seeking to go towards nato so putin's demand is that Mm -hmm. they change their constitution and take that out Um, and there have been a few other demands that are actually you know fairly reasonable we might not totally might not totally agree with them might be a bit of a teeth pull but at the end of the day it's better than people being massacred and that's what's going on right now so i mean if you're going to take a pick between crimea just being declared russian or all of these people having to flee their home or or being bombed and running from being shelled okay just say crimea belongs to russia it's not that difficult to actually do i think if they would have taken the crimea and the the, southeastern territories i think if he would have stopped there, I think he could have gotten an, gotten it. Just leave it there, you know, occupy there. And I think people would have said, let's end this. He went on for some reason. Um, I don't know if he expected the Ukrainians to fight back or if the Russians are suddenly just that bad at war. Well, what happened? Well, I, it's difficult to know because I think that right now the narratives that are coming out of both sides are impossible to believe. So it's war. Everything's right. this is a war also of propaganda. I'm not sure what to believe right now. I don't know how poorly the Russians are fighting. I hear it. But I also hear from the Russian side that they're doing great and that the Ukrainians are the ones that are that are, uh, you know, the, the, because they have right. civilian fighters. Mm-hmm. And so it's I'm not sure what to believe. I'm not. What I do know coming from the Russian side is they've never proclaimed that they were going to be taking Ukraine. So from their perspective of what they were what they're claiming the war is and what's going on, it it does actually still correlate. They've claimed that what they're there to do is to demilitarize Ukraine, to blow up weapons while well, we keep sending weapons in. Mm-hmm. So they've got more to continue blowing up. Mm-hmm. But they've never actually asserted that they were taking any of the Ukrainian regions except Donbass, which is a larger region than what these what the the rebels 
had been um, occupying for the last eight years. They've controlled this region. And the actual Donbass region is about um, three times larger than the area, including Maripol. So they have they've been attempting to take Maripol. So they've actually remained from the Russian side of things, from their narrative. It is consistent with what they've claimed this entire time. On the West, the Western side has said, oh, no, uh, the goal is to take Ukraine. So when you look at it from the West perspective, they're failing because they're not taking Ukraine. So I don't know what to believe. Maybe it is. I mean, look, I didn't think Russia was even going to actually invade. I didn't believe that. And they did. I have to tell you, I think. I think. I I don't think he was planning on it either. I think it was a bluff and trying to get some, you know, negotiating bluff. And I think our president actually gave him permission to do it. I think Joe Biden, by saying he's going to do it, he's going to do it. Look what he's going to do. He's going to do it. Well, if he just goes in and it's limited, then we might not do anything about it. But I'm telling you, he's going to do it. In fact, he's going to do it on on Wednesday, about 430 in the afternoon. I don't know the last time our intelligence was good calling anything correctly. They almost called it to the hour on this. I don't know, but it just... It doesn't seem like um, this was the original plan. I agree with you that this is a war of convenience for a lot of players involved, except for the Ukrainian people. Yes. Uh, Another player that I think this is very convenient for is China. And I do think that Russia and China actually, uh, they issued a statement February 4th. So I actually think Russia got more of permission from China oh, yeah, to did. go ahead and invade Ukraine. Yeah. Um, and it, of course, works on behalf of the West as well. We had a failing economy. Our inflation's through the roof. They're now trying to blame it on Russia as if we're going to have amnesia yep. about yep. the last several months of inflation mm-hmm. going from transitory to suddenly it's not quite transitory. To now suddenly we should have a new digital dollar. Right. Where, I mean... Right. <laughs> Wait, we're two weeks into this and you sign an executive order that says we should study this. We already know you've already studied it. It's called the Hamilton. Um, But we should study this. And then maybe within seven months, we should have legislation on it. Why the big panic all of a sudden? Certainly not because of Russia. But they're getting a lot of the uh, of the American people to believe that this is all Putin's fault, that our economy now collapsing is Putin's fault. Um, and which it's is very, a con- convenient. very convenient. So it's convenient for the West to be egging this war on. The longer it goes, we don't have to actually place blame for the economic mm-hmm. problems where they actually belong, which is probably, uh, in my opinion, the lack of actually addressing the the collapse in 2008. And, and thank you going into a different, you know, using new policies to try to correct it. Going in and as George Bush said, violating the free market to save the free market. Yeah. We all knew that was a bad idea. We all knew that was a bad idea. And we sent a message to the world in 08. We're just going to print enough money. We'll take care of ourselves. Good luck. That's when if I had my money in dollars and I was a foreign country, I would go, wait, I don't think this is going to work out real well for us. By 2014, Crimea, Russia, they're starting to make a deal with China to get out of the dollar. They've been collecting gold, which I don't think I don't even think I don't even think anybody in the White House even would think about a gold chain, you know, around their neck. Nothing. Right. Um, and they're positioned to destroy us. 
They are, and they're actively doing it, and we're actively ignoring it. So, you know, again, just kind of blaming it on places where it doesn't need to be blamed. And and what is actually happening, and you're right, I mean, since 2014, Russia and China were trading mostly in dollars, mm -hmm. and then they moved away from that. It went from 90-something percent being traded in dollars to eight years later, only 30-something mm -hmm. percent mm -hmm. being traded in dollars. So they had planned this out. They knew that this was the move they were going to make, that they needed to, to break up American hegemony to get away from the dollar being the world currency sure. and they've actively done it now russia what have they said to europe you have to pay for gas and rubles and same with I I india says okay you know we'll we'll start trading in rubles and rupees uh that's what's going on with china as well so saudi arabia is thinking yeah. about selling it um you know then then the russians are openly courting mexico brazil argentina i mean there's a real coalition that could be formed um to get off of the dollar uh, and that that would crush America. But beyond that, if this block, if we go into a Cold War, I didn't need any stacking dolls. The last Cold War, you know what I mean? What are you buying? Vodka from <laughs> Russia? There was nothing we wanted now. Uh, yeah, if you have Saudi Arabia, you have the whole block from Saudi Arabia all the way to China, we, we, we the prices of everything go through the roof. Yeah. And they control us and the American lifestyle as we know it, gone. Gone. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't I, I I that is what is happening and I don't know how we stop it. I think unfortunately this is karma and it's just coming back uh all of the policies that we've implemented uh, sanctioning countries, harming countries. One out of 10 countries, one out of every 10 countries are being sanctioned by the United States of America. And then prior to sanctions, that was kind of the new war tool that mm -hmm. had been implemented mm -hmm. a couple of dec decades ago. But uh, prior to that, it was coups, mm -hmm. uh, color revolutions. Right? We have toppled how many governments around the world? And, and while we're doing, I mean, America... I mean, we've always we've always had corruption. I mean, go Andrew Jackson, what a nightmare he was. Uh, so we've always had corruption and, and duplicity um, because it's a human trait. But I think America has tried for good portion uh, of our uh, of our history, tried to do the right thing, or at least the people thought we were trying to do the right yeah. thing. And it has been really ever since. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt and the progressive era, this idea of of f spreading democracy and spreading all these things doesn't work. And especially if we're saying we're spreading that and we won't torture, but we'll fly you on a ghost plane to Egypt. My gosh, the duplicity of course, I would hate us mm -hmm. if I was in that country and we're like, we don't torture. We're the good guys. And I know that my government is torturing people in the basement for America. There's no way to survive that. You don't stand for anything. Well, and I think that's unfortunately what's happening to us is that we've made so many enemies around the world. They pretended to be our friends. They smiled to our faces because they had to, because Correct. we forced them to. And now they don't have to. 
Now they're saying that there is this new sort of uh, group forming, and they're new all world order. Yep, yeah, both new, sides are right. saying it. Yep, yeah, and and they are forming, and they're saying we're fed up with you guys. You guys have abused your power. You had great power, and you abused it, and that is. That is what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I do believe, I agree with you, that the American people believed that we were doing the right thing by going around mm-hmm. the world. And even now, I, there's plenty of Americans who believe we should be going to war with Russia because we have to liberate the Russian mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Liberate a Russian people that don't need to be, they don't want to be liberated. They like their leadership. They mm-hmm. like the way their country's going for them. Their country has been going in the right direction. They've actually increased their life. Their, uh, their standard of living has gone up. So for them, they're happy. Um, could things be better? Yes. Do they not? They definitely don't have things like freedom of speech, but they're happy. In the last two years, I think we've learned an awful lot of things. Uh, one, pharmaceutical companies not necessarily have our best interest at heart, um, and neither does the government. And the only one you can really count on for your health is you. I want to talk to you about Z-Stack. It is a specially formulated immune-boosting supplement. It includes everything you need, zinc, vitamin C, vitamin D, and a whole bunch of other stuff. It was formulated by Dr. Vladimir Zelenko. He's a world-renowned doctor, um, and he's put this together. It is scientifically formulated. It's kosher, GMP certified, and produced right here in America. It boosts your immune system, so you don't have to worry about potentially getting sick the way to stop that from happening is when it's in the potential side your immune system has been boosted enough to kill it then and there i want you to go to zstack.zstacklife.com slash beck that's zstacklife.com slash beck enter the promo code beck and save you know when the wall fell they looked at our culture and thought, I want some of that. Well, they have all those stores. They have McDonald's. They have all or they had. did. Yeah, <laughs> they had all of those things. Um, there's not a big outcry for for that Western culture because that Western culture has become so corrosive. I mean, if I were watching this culture from any place in the world, I would be like, don't bring that crap here, man. Don't bring that here. I think the Russians really I think Russian people love Americans and they love American culture Um, from the from the people that I've spoken to are Russian. And one of my good friends is Russian um, and lives there. And they definitely love American culture, American movies, American things. Sure. But when I've asked her, how are things going right now with all of these luxury brands pulling out now McDonald's pulling out? And she says, you know, we were all depressed at first and we we're all pretty sad and everybody's pretty nervous. And that was kind of the sentiment along, you know, amongst the people that she was speaking to. But she says, but now we're kind of moving on and we're getting over it and we're realizing that we're going to get other luxury goods. So maybe they're not going to get Western American uh, or European luxury goods like Gucci and Louis Vuitton, but they're going to get Chinese luxury goods. Mm -hmm. They're going to start importing into the country. And I know Americans kind of have this idea of China as this poor country um, with crap goods, right? But no, if if you really look at China and especially their billionaire class, Mm -hmm. they have luxury goods Mm -hmm. and it's not all Western luxury goods. A Mm -hmm. lot of it is coming in from Singapore, from they're they're making it themselves. You know, they've they've got nice things and they're now even even the West Rolls Royce Bentley. They will make cars just for the Chinese market that are above and beyond what the West gets. You know, they, they some of these luxury brands go over the top for the Middle East and for China. I mean, 
the, the Chinese are not what everybody. Well, and the way they did be. those deals, you know, with those companies, as they would say, you can bring your company into the country, yep. but you have to. We're going to partner you with a Chinese company, correct? And they're going to then manufacture a Chinese version of your product, so they know how to make all that stuff now. So um, let's. We've talked about the demise of how this benefits China, Russia, and they will cobble together. Let's make one quick stop on on something that I don't hear people talk about. If that becomes a Cold War, what what happens? Do we do we not get those products? And what does that mean to the West? Uh, I mean, hopefully we don't reel into a Cold War. I think that probably if I mean, but I, I've been wrong on a lot of this stuff as far as trying to predict what's yeah. going to happen. But I because I, you know, especially with the pandemic stuff, I was so wrong on a lot of the predictions of what people would end up doing because I thought people would just see common sense yeah, no, <laughs> and that they happen. would then follow common sense. Right. But that's not happening in a lot of cases. So common sense would be that we don't go into a Cold War, that we realize this is just bad for the American, right for everybody for the west for the american people in particular if the rest of the world turns their back on us mm-hmm. and uh, because really the west is you know we've obviously become way more dependent on a manufacturing uh, class that has been rising out of asia and and that's and and i my prediction is that china has been trying to move that into africa knowing that they're also going to transition mm-hmm. out of it so they're putting a lot of their investment into africa trying to build up africa so africa is also very friendly towards the east and not towards the mm-hmm. west um so if we were though in the worst scenario to go into a cold war then it would be very very bad for the west i mean i don't we would um uh, we would have to try to reinvigorate some sort of manufacturing class here in the United States. And I don't know how we do that. What does that take and cost? And this is why I ask, Um, because the the next part of this is um, Russia, China. They expected this. I think this is just a great excuse for them to execute what they wanted to execute. Um, And I don't know if it sped up their timetable or not, but it's a good it's real and they can use it. Okay. The same thing with the Great Reset. Um, we knew our financial system was out of control. We knew inflation was. You cannot convince me that we can print as much money as we have, and no one said anything but, "Oh, it'll have a little inflation, but it'll be transitory." No way. They're not that stupid, and if they are. They should go away. We'll put them on the island of misfit toys because they are not smart enough to figure things out. So I don't think anybody believed that. Um, probably starting 2010, uh, somebody had to say, this is not going to work out. What are we going to do? And that's where we get the Great Reset, uh, digital currency coming our way. We're taking advantage. This is why I think... We were speeding things up because we need cover. You need a reason. War gives you a reason to change everything. And nobody really cares in the end because you just want the war to stop. Mm -hmm. You just want some normalcy. Um, And I think we sped it up for the Great Reset. Very possible. I mean, I also think that the Great Reset isn't just about how the economy was looking and maybe some of the, the ways that they tried to fix what happened after 2008. Um, uh, but also just 
probably foresight knowing that there's going to be this what you know Klaus Schwab calls the the fourth industrial the fourth revolution the fourth mm-hmm. industrial re- revolution which is going towards automation mm-hmm. so i think they knew and a, a lot of people have well, known uh, we're going towards that yeah 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 i i i see this as the government's run like it's 1950 um the banks are running like there's no tomorrow um the only ones that really see tomorrow and the devastation that is coming just because of the industrial revolution, a hundred year period being squeezed into a 10 year period, the upheaval mm-hmm. there and the media out, they all need each other. And so they're all kind of colluding with each other one way or another, because I'll watch your back. Now you watch my back later. Um, I think that's the that whole thing, everyone knew they're going to come with pitchforks and torches for yep. me. Yeah. And that's exactly what I think the Great Reset is really about mm-hmm. is, um, you know, the more I've studied it and really Klaus Schwab and his teachings and, mm-hmm. and books that he's been putting out there for a while now. Because a lot of people say, oh, the Great Reset, but that's just the name of a conference that just happened in 2020. That's, that's <laughs> you know, that's, that's like, no, okay, they, they might have put a name on it in 2020, but they've been having these ideas and putting the ideas out there for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and putting them into the beginning stages back in the Paris Treaty, the peace right. or the uh, the climate cords. That's what that was really about was the financial side of yeah. BSG. Yeah. So I, I do think that they see automation coming and they are trying to figure out a way to make it benefit a certain group of people over the rest. And, and also keep him in on a short leash so they don't rise up right and and revolt we're really not i mean you know human nature hasn't changed as much as we would love to think that we've evolved out of the time of monarchies we really haven't no we've just we renamed them Mm -hmm. you know they went from monarchs to presidents and uh and then now they're really ceos Mm-hmm. Right. And now it's that monetary, the, the, the money class. You've got Jeff Bezos running Amazon and how much of the world could he possibly be running? Right. And, it, and they're able to do that through these changes that they're making, especially the thing that really frightens me the most is the social credit system. <laughs> and that is what, you know, and they don't want to call it that whatever they want to call it. It doesn't matter. And that's the thing. People get so hung up on the terms mm-hmm. and it's just the implementation. We're already seeing it. We saw it with COVID. We saw it with the passports that you would have to show to show that you're a good moral person. We're seeing it with Russia. That yeah. is ESG. Whichever one of those letters you want to use, that's when McDonald's says, we don't want to pull out. We'll lose everything. Oh, uh, I guess we've discovered we have a real reputational risk. We're going to close all our restaurants. That is all, that is the system of ESG saying you will toe the line. Mm-hmm. This hasn't happened before like this. Never, never. And it wouldn't happen if there wasn't massive pressure. Right. And that's what to me is the most frightening going forward. And that's what I would like to try to figure out how we control is this. You know, how do we prevent this um, sort of moral society that you have to live in that is based on their morals that they want us to adhere to and they will then prevent us from you know and it sounds crazy i know people think oh no that just sounds that's 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 conspiratorial it sounds like a conspiracy theory it's not a conspiracy theory they're already implementing it conspiracy fact it is unfortunately so we have to figure out a way to stop them from preventing us from getting loans because we don't fit their their 
the scoring system, the, yeah. ES, the ESG scoring mm-hmm. system, uh, or like in, speaking of Russia during the pandemic, you know, they did they implemented uh, a, a program where you had a QR code, mm-hmm. and if you were not working in an essential service. They knew based on your QR code and they wouldn't let you on the subway. Your QR code wouldn't work to go where you wanted to go. And so there's this future that people are worried about happening. And hey, you know, at this point, I believe everything when it comes to this stuff, I'm like, okay, anything that they say is going to happen in the future, it's probably going to happen. Because during the pandemic, people were saying to me, Kim, they're going to implement mandates. And I said, there's no way. We're Americans. There's no way Americans are going to give up their freedom. People who say to me, that'll never happen. Could I make you a list of the things that you have said in the last 10 years would never happen that have happened? A game show host on NBC who was <laughs> tweeting all kinds of crazy things was our president. Yeah. Was our president. Now we have a guy who doesn't uh, there there's the mental engagement for the president of the United States is terrifying, but more terrifying is him dying in office and having Kamala Harris, who's a moron. Tell me, tell yeah. me what what's out of bounds now. Well, and, and then uh, speaking of, you know, game show hosts and comedians, you've got one running Ukraine. Also yeah, in I know. This situation, so. And what's weird is that was one of the oligarchs. The guy who financed him was one of the oligarchs that uh, was uh, a co-owner of Burisma. The same company that Joe Biden's son was. Yeah. I mean, this is I've never felt all the world is but a stage until recently. Mm-hmm. It is like we are just chess players and they are just they're just moving us around the board and we think it's real. We're watching a show. Mm-hmm. That's the way it feels. Yeah. Yeah, and it's very frightening. I mean, we're we're moving into an era where they will judge us based on our behaviors, yeah. judge us based on what we purchase, uh, judge us based on. How, how do you how do you get people to believe that? I, I mean, there are. I'm, I'm meeting with legislatures all over the country, and some states, about twenty of them, that are working on anti ESG legislation, which I think is fantastic, but. Not only is the left against it and the big banks are coming out with lobbyists like crazy, Mm -hmm. um, but you have a lot of Republicans who are like, oh, that's a free market. You got to let companies do what they're going to do. You know, this is that's a conspiracy theory. They'll never force companies. I just got a piece of audio and video from the New York Times in 2017 of Fink at uh, BlackRock saying, you know what, you just have to coerce them. You're just going to have to do it. That's what we're doing at BlackRock. You are going to do it. And they say it's a conspiracy theory. It would never happen. How do you convince people? Uh, I I mean, just showing them time after time that these little things are actually happening. You know, I mean, but I think that the mandates and the passports was step one, right? People then started to say, wait a minute, I really didn't think we we're going to do that. A lot of people, when others were saying, oh, they're going to make passports, they're going to do mandates, they would say, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. Why would you even think that? You're crazy. Just get the jab. And then suddenly we saw that they actually did roll out these mandates and passports. So I think we can maybe point to that and say it's happened before. And look at China. They're implementing their social credit system in certain regions of China, testing it out to see how well it works. 
Um, we do know that, I mean, we're seeing it all the time with companies. It's who are they giving their services to? And if you don't like the person they're giving services to, then the company itself needs to be boycotted. So the company, then what do they do? They drop those people. Even services like PayPal, they're not allowing certain people to make transactions or go fund me with the trucker convoy. I mean, that was ridiculous to drop a fundraiser and to say, well, we just don't agree with it. It's against our, our community guidelines or but against they, our they, policies. They went beyond that. They said this was violence. I mean, I saw the yeah. most incredible video from CNN. I'm in an airport and I'm watching it. And the person on the street is standing there. It's completely quiet. There's no one on the streets. The trucks are there, but the guys are inside. It's cold. And they actually said... Uh, it might look very peaceful here, but I was expecting them to say, but it's mostly violent. The exact opposite. I mean, I was watching cities burn down and they're like, it may look like this, but it's mostly peaceful. They said, but it's very tense here and there's a lot of problems. You're being asked to deny what you see. Yeah. Yeah. It's bizarre. It's really bizarre. Really bizarre. So, um, You have been, um, I mean, you've been uh, censored and you've you've been uh, banned. And I think the most recent one is the most recent one, the Trump one, or is the most recent one um, Ivermectin? Yeah, it was Ivermectin. Ivermectin? Yeah, well, it was, so I do a show for The Hill, and The Hill got censored for airing raw footage from CPAC. And they did it two years in a row because it's a news organization and they feel like CPAC is newsworthy. Mm -hmm. And there was no commentary whatsoever on the footage. It was just raw footage from CPAC that got them warnings. And then the show, I wasn't actually on the on this particular segment, um, but they they were actually discussing Trump's comments about Putin and airing a clip of him talking to Laura Ingram. And of course, Trump then has his knee jerk reaction of the things he always the claims he always makes. And says it um, just it, it just kind of comes just, out of his mouth like naturally. Out, yeah. It's just right. It's just yeah. an, it's just what he says. Mm-hmm. And it had nothing to do with the conversation with Laura Ingram. And it had nothing to do with what then the show Rising actually discussed afterwards. They were talking specifically about Ukraine and Putin. But because those words came out of his mouth, you know, when he talks about the election, um, and he just throws in one word, and that's it. The, the, the channel was then censored for, and hindered from uploading for an entire week. So. Because what YouTube claimed was that somebody basically needed to say right away, that is false, that's misinformation. Somebody needed to put the disclaimer immediately from somebody else's words. The former president of the United States, by the way. But when, when, when did we, I, I just, I, do you ever feel like you're just standing and you're like, it, is it just me? I mean, I've never, I've done this for 45 years. I've never seen any of this. Right. Ever. I had boundaries because I've always been on radio with the FCC. This is worse than the FCC. (laughs) Oh, no. This is this is this is, uh, you know, when um, I'm a big fan of Dietrich Bonhoeffer and Dietrich Bonhoeffer was giving a, a radio. He did a radio show and he was doing a series on the Fuhrer principle and how that does not fit with our Constitution. The day he was doing the last segment on the Fuhrer principle, when Hitler was made the Fuhrer, 
guess whose broadcast was immediately shut off at the same time just he's fewer off that's the kind of stuff that we're dealing with here yeah. this is not a free society there's no diversity of anything How, but what do we do about that so what's interesting is what you've mentioned is that you've got republicans on their side of the aisle saying well it's a free market it's a free it's a private company youtube can do whatever they want Google can do whatever they want. Amazon can do whatever they want, right? When they want to kick off Parler from their, mm-hmm. their services, they're allowed to do that. They're a, they're a private company. So the question is, um, you know, obviously the left is ignoring it and they're saying, well, good, you should be censored. Mm-hmm. You're not saying the right things anyway. Mm-hmm. But then on the right, you're having people that say, you know, like Rand Paul, I love the guy, speaks up against big tech censorship mm-hmm. all the time. But then when you ask him, what do you want to do about it? He's like, ah, free market. <laughs> it's not the free market. That, that's where everybody goes wrong. The free market, the government is supposed to make sure everything is level. They're only there as a judge. That's it. What's your complaint? They're doing what? Uh, Okay, you're right. Stop it. Okay, that's all they're supposed to do. Now they are in a public-private partnership. Mm -hmm. So now that partnership is advantageous for them to help and advantageous for the government to help them. That's not the free market at right. all. It, get the government out of everyone's business, period. Then you'll have a free market. You'll still have, I mean, in this case, we have, you know, the same kind of thing that was happening in the, you know, 1880s where you had this sudden growth of capitalism. So you have the Carnegie Mellons and all of these, all of these mm-hmm. big industrialists. That's what these guys are. And it's just because they cornered the market quickly. Right. Now, how do you stop them from controlling the whole world? That's the problem. And they're doing it because the government is in bed with them right. and making special exceptions for them. Yeah, we have to get money out of the government for one. I think it's I, I think it's less the government involved in these companies. It's more the companies involved in the government. The companies have been able to buy off the government. So they're then controlling well, the yeah, government. I, I think it's a two way. I mean, I just think it's a mutually yeah. beneficial for both. Right. But I do think that the companies are acting on behest of the government in some ways because yeah. the government is saying to them, censor or else. Right. Yeah. Which to me is an absolute violation of the First Amendment. I Easy. don't know why this isn't being taken up in courts. That seems to me that if the government is pressuring you to censor people, that is government involvement and censoring. So that would be a violation of the First Amendment. I'm not understanding why that isn't being brought up. Um, but I, you know, I, I do think that we need regulation. So I don't think the government no, no, should I, totally get out of everything. Yeah, yeah, no. no, getting out of the business regulation is different. Look, what's Referee. happening? What are you doing? Yeah. yeah, what are you doing? Well, they're dumping this into the river. No, stop that. You right. know what I mean? But there's no this lobbyist system came in in World War One with uh, Woodrow Wilson. Yeah. And it became a machine. These lobbyists, stop it. Stop it. And it kills me because the left used to be against all of this stuff. The left, the left, uh, so many things that the left said was going to happen that I poo-pooed. I'm now like, oh, my gosh, they were right. But they're part of it. They're, they're supporting it. When you look at Disney, wasn't it? Wasn't it the left who said corporations are not people and so should stay out of government? 
Yeah, I don't know what's happened to the left anymore. I mean, I come from the left, right? I've always been more of I've always been a leftist and a, and a, a liberal. So a leftist or a liberal? I don't yeah, the language. I don't know because I don't know what anything means anymore. They've changed the definitions on me so many times. I have yeah. no idea what I am. Am I a progressive anymore? I don't know. I mean, I've, I've always labeled myself as a progressive since Bernie Sanders. I was a Sanders supporter, but I don't now I feel like the progressives. I don't identify with almost anything they say anymore. Because, so I don't know because the progressives progressives. If you know the history, progressives started as communists and they didn't want a revolution but this is the this is before communism was really showed how evil it was they were fine with communism or fascism because it was scientific it was all the great minds getting together and doing it once it was shown for its results they should have got off that bandwagon Mm -hmm. but they moved with woodrow wilson to doing a lot of the stuff that they're doing now spying on people arresting people stifling their freedom of speech and uh it scared people so much that progressives stopped for 10 years during the roaring 20s fdr relabeled progressive liberal liberal used to mean i am with the bill of rights Mm. i believe in everyone's right to be free he took that seat away Mm and so we only had liberals or conservatives but the infection of progressivism started in the Republican Party. Mm. That's why we keep voting for these two clowns. And we're like, nothing changes. You're doing the same thing that guy was doing. Yeah. Because it's it's a different philosophy. Right. What are you progressing to? Not anything good. Well, right now, I, I agree. I don't think that they're standing for things that I would consider good in yeah. a lot of ways. Um, and so I don't, you know, yeah, with the labeling, I don't even really know anymore what I am. I, I now just say I'm an independent, a free thinker. I mean, because <laughs> I don't fit into any category. But I do think that we, you know, I, I'm not with the libertarian group, of course, that doesn't want any government involvement or regulation at all. I do think we need regulation. I think it's I like a sports game. You know, what, what good is a basketball game if there isn't some rule that the players have to adhere to? Same yeah. with football, right? I right. like watching sports because there's an actual game to be played and there's an actual you know set of rules that the yeah. players have to adhere to. So I, I do think we need rules and regulations, but then I, I definitely want freedom. I, and I think that those rules and regulations should give us the ability to play the game of life as best as we possibly can and compete with one another within bounds that are fair for everybody. Do you agree with the Bill of Rights? Yes. Have you read them lately? No, I have not read okay. them lately. <laughs> read them Read them again okay. and see, because I think that's what separates. We are on both sides. I've had huge conservatives say to me, Glenn, we all love the Constitution, but there are things we have to do. No, 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 they're not. Not if they violate the Bill of Rights. No, we're not spying on people. We're not arresting people without charge. We're not holding them, no matter how bad they are. We're not holding them without a trial for a year. You know, we're violating everything, all of the Bill of Rights. That used to be the thing we came together on. And if we don't start looking at the principles that got us here in a good way uh, and thinking about reviving those, we're not, we're not going to have anything left. Cause I think we are, we're at a point where there's a generation that says nothing about America is good. 
yeah, we, we are at that point, unfortunately. And they're, <laughs> you know, I, I worry about my future when I'm older and they're the ones actually running the government. Uh, but I think a lot of this, a lot of the reason why we're marching in the direction that we are is because companies are greedy. Fundamentally, they're for the bottom line, they're for profits. And I think what, <laughs> what they saw was that China wasn't letting them into their market mm-hmm. if they weren't willing to censor. We saw that with Facebook, with Google, mm-hmm. right? They were told, I think it was in 2013, you guys can't come in because you're not willing to censor. And they would say, well, uh, we can't censor because we're American and we have American values. Mm-hmm. And now what we're seeing is those companies say, well, maybe we can actually fudge this a little bit in order to get into the China market. So um, I do think that a lot of this is to, we are sort of morphing into a more, um, into the China way of running their country. And I think that- Except against China. It's weird. While being against China, yeah. 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 So there's there's a lot of uh, demonizing of China. And, And to me, so when it comes to like the Uyghurs, for example, I don't agree that there's actually a genocide going on there. Yeah, I don't agree with that. I think that that's rhetoric that has been amped up. I do think that China was, I don't think what they're doing is right. I think it's wrong. I think it's against human rights. I think it's a violation. You are. I don't go to genocide on it, though. You oh, no, are. Cultural, a, no actual. Yeah. <laughs> puzzlement. Boy, you are hard to figure out. But I do. But that being said, I do. Are think, they in concentration camps? Uh, they. Or re-education camps? They were. There was. There was a, largely they've been shut down. And AP actually did an entire expose where they went to the country. They toured around and they found that most of them had already been shut down. Yeah, I do think what China was doing was um, they were trying to eradicate a certain Islamic ideology out of their population that they largely allowed in and actually um, they actually nurtured it to get it to grow in order to counter the Soviets. It's kind of what we mm-hmm. did in Afghanistan with mm-hmm. the Mujahideen. What we've really we've asked Saudi Arabia mm-hmm. to do a lot of this for us is mm-hmm. to kind of spread this more radical Wahhabist uh, ideology around. China did the same thing. They did it inside of their own population, and that and then the rooster came home to roost, and it wasn't mm-hmm. so good. Um, right. When all these fighters were leaving Syria, when they were leaving Iraq, they came home, and a lot of that was to China because they have a large Muslim population there. Um, and they didn't know what to do with the ideology and these people coming back. And they are Chinese. They have to come home. They have to repatriate. So they did put them in camps. What what I found offensive to it was that they were rounding up families of people, mm-hmm. even those that did not go off to fight. It's mm-hmm. one thing to take the fighters and to put them in jail for fighting in these foreign wars, right, on behalf of al-Qaeda. But it's another thing to take their children, to take their family members and to say, because you're related to that person, you're now going to be put into this camp and we're going to de-radicalize you because we think you might be radical. Um, I am completely against that. I, you know, I, 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 I've been a part of a religion that was demonized for a long time. And people thought, well, if you, you know, I was Mormon for many years. And so people would say, um, you know, oh, you're all crazy. And yeah, no. you know, so that. Um, so I think that's wrong to take a person and say, just because of your belief system, you must be a radical or strange or weird in some way, and we're going to lock you up. The fact, the fact of the matter is, Wahhabism does lead to very extremist ideology oh, and radical I events, know. right? But most Wahhabists are not violent. That's the, that's the reality of it. Can it lead to this extremism? Sure. Yes, but most are not. So that is what I, with, with China... That is what I think they did wrong, was that they, they just accused anybody who had this belief system and said, that's it, you believe in a religion, we don't agree with that religion, that religion is now illegal, 
you will now, uh, the, the symbols of your religion that you wear on your body in some way will be removed from you. You will not be allowed to have those. I am against that. But I don't consider it a genocide. I think that the word genocide is meant to get the American people riled up to get us to want to go to war. And I don't think when it comes to China, the issue, I don't think we're going to solve the problem through warfare with them. And instead, I think we're taking our eye off the ball and that it is not about that particular situation, though, of course, we could speak up against it. It's really about their growing influence and their ability to control our society and what we value as Western freedoms and democracy that they don't value as much. It's not culturally, it's different. And I say that as somebody who's half Asian, half mm -hmm. white. I see, I, I've grown up with both sides very intimately. One side is definitely stricter than the other. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and so that, uh, I, you know, and I, I love my Asian side of the family for sure, but I prefer, because may, I was raised in America, I prefer yeah, but Were you raised as a Mormon? Because I'm thinking if you are Asian, strict Asian and Mormon, you have to play the piano. Right. <laughs> you would think. No, I, I converted to the Mormon church. When oh, okay. I, yeah. So okay. my, my dad's side of the family is Catholic and my mom's side is Buddhist. And okay, then, of course, okay. you know, I became yeah, yeah, a Mormon yeah, yeah. because yeah, that's yeah. what you do. Right. Yeah, when, I know. I know. <laughs> when you're caught between two religions. I know. So, um, yeah, I don't I, you know, I, I don't I, I was raised here in the West. I like my Western freedoms. Can, can you come back to the can we just start go back to the beginning? Because you have a fascinating story from the beginning your family is from vietnam yeah my right? mom is from vietnam okay so t tell a story uh well my mom uh, is and her family are refugees from vietnam so they fled at the fall of saigon the last three days of the war they were able wow. to get out yeah and um so they did that what did what did you think when you saw us evacuate in afghanistan uh, I, I was mortified by that evacuation. I, I'm, as you know, anti-war. I absolutely thought we never should have been in that war and we absolutely needed to get out. I felt well, not like that, not like that. That was my big beef with mm -hmm. it was we made promises to people mm -hmm. and those people were left behind. My family was one of those families made promises to during the war in Vietnam and they got my family out and many mm. of my other Many of my mom's uh, friends also were promised because many of them were married or uh, to American contractors mm -hmm. or service members or were somehow working for the U.S. contractors, companies or the actual government. And so promises were made to the Vietnamese people. Largely, those promises were actually um, upheld and they actually got many of the people sure. out. So when I saw what happened in Afghanistan and that so many families like mine were promised things and then they were not able to get out. That was to me crushing. Not able to get out is a kind way of saying left left behind behind. Yeah. Like in a that is that is the most dishonorable thing I've seen us do in my lifetime. That was just for the whole world to see live. That was just dishonor. Total dishonor. Yeah. And that was, um, you know, of course, it's going to be clumsy getting out. Of course, like the fall of Saigon, those last few days when my family was scrambling out, mm -hmm. um, it was chaotic, of course. Right. But they were it was chaotic because they were trying to get out the people that they had promised to get out. And they had already actually started the evacuation process months prior to that point. It was just those last few days that it became more chaotic. The problem with Afghanistan is they didn't even try 
to get anybody out oh, prior no. to that point. No. And then suddenly there was this, evac- you know, this, uh, you know, I, I don't even know what to call it. It wasn't even a real evacuation. Mm-mm. They just no, left they worked, everybody behind. They worked against, I mean, we were over there um, saving people and uh, they actually actively worked against us. I mean, we had a plane in the air at one point with 320 people on it, women and children. The State Department told the country we were landing in, had full permission, everything. We can't vouch for that plane. Turn it around. I mean, they worked against freeing people. It was very dishonorable. Anyway, so your mom and dad meet and they met. So uh, I'm from Boise, Idaho. So my parents met in Boise. My dad was actually a hippie and he had protested the war. So my mom was a Vietnamese refugee, and her family came over from Vietnam. Um, and then many of them actually went back to Iran, and they actually were living in Iran until the until the revolution Jeez. in 1970. And my, my poor grandmother, my grandmother's actually northern Vietnamese, so she had to flee the north. She fled the north to the south, had to flee the south. She ended up settling in Iran for a while and then had to flee again at the revolution oh in Iran, gosh. and she's still alive to this day. Wow. Yeah. Is she here in America? Yep, she's in uh, California. She, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she's going to have to flee California at yeah, some point. maybe, I don't know. Uh, she's getting up there in age, and yeah. she's 95. So you live in California. I do, I live in L.A., yeah, yeah. Why? <laughs> I knew that was going to be the next question. <laughs> yeah, good question. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I mean, the weather's great. My family's there. Yeah, um, it, is, it is the most beautiful state in the union it, it, it is, is it, it is. is i grew up in the pacific northwest i've always wanted to live in california i can't i couldn't do it i couldn't do it no matter how great the weather is it's become insane yeah it is insane there there are parts of it that are less insane so you could live in like orange county and it's not yeah. as insane as la yeah. la is particular la and san francisco are particularly crazy Nuts. yeah yeah but uh, a lot of the state is great um certainly the policies and Uh, There's a lot. There are a lot of issues with the state. There's no doubt. But it's hard to leave the weather and the food. I know. know. It's difficult. And our families are there. So it's difficult for us to actually. But we've we've definitely been looking seriously about leaving, maybe coming to Dallas. um, Dallas is a great place. Yeah. yeah. I lived in Austin for a while before I moved to L.A. A little too weird. I went backwards, right? Everybody's leaving L.A. to go to Austin. I went from Austin to L.A. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I'm in L.A. for now. So, But my mom and her family settled in, um, at first in Boise, Idaho. That's where their sponsor was. So they were there. And then that's when my dad and my mom met Hmm. and got married. And then, you know, I I showed up at some point. And uh, they divorced. I stayed in Idaho with my dad and my mom and her family left. It was actually called this kind of great migration to a Vietnamese. It's actually a documented event that sort of happened in the mid and late 80s where the Vietnamese that were all around the country from their various different sponsorships mm-hmm. migrated south. And so they were mm-hmm. stuck in the cold states like Idaho or Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them trekked down to Houston, Texas, or to Westminster, California, which mm-hmm. is the largest Vietnamese community, Phoenix, Arizona, some in Florida as well, trying to get to those warm climates. So my mm-hmm. family did that. Um, and I went back and forth between the two places visiting my parents. When you're in California and uh, compare living in California to Boise, Idaho, red, blue. Yeah, very, very different. And during the pandemic, I flew back and forth. I'm very close to my dad. I talk to him every day and I would I go up to visit him all the time. And I know my my dad's side of the family is all still there. 
And yeah, it was just especially during the pandemic. I mean, it was stark difference. That's when you could really see it because California was you couldn't even go outside without oh, wearing a mask. You weren't allowed on the beach. It's crazy. And then I would go back to Boise and there would be a concert that my dad would be jamming yeah. in. And I, I would go to the concert maskless and hang out. No big deal. You said um, that you have friends that have had real problems with the vaccine. Yeah. What? I mean, you can't say them because you'd be, but you say them here. What? Um, a, a severe inflammation. So, and neurological uh, issues. So, mm -hmm. I do have one close friend who, um, after receiving um, the vaccine, ended up slurring words, needing to get a CAT scan having severe muscle pain. Mm. Um, so it just seemed like it was inflammation throughout the uh, musculoskeletal system as well as a bit into the nervous system. A lot of women reported menstrual cycle issues. Mm -hmm. A lot of my friends did. And they, uh, a lot of them, you know, interestingly, they would anecdotally tell the story without realizing it was maybe connected sure. to the vaccine. So one of my cousins, for example, said, oh my gosh, it's like the worst ever. I don't even know what's going on. I, maybe it's menopause, right? They're always making some sort of an Correct. excuse. But then you're hearing this over and over from various different women. But certainly the uh, muscle inflammation, the inflammation is the biggest one that, and then there, you know, I, I do know I, I, many people that took it didn't seem to have really very many side effects. You know, it was mm -hmm. just the regular, mm -hmm. maybe a day or two of chills or a fever. But then others, I do have some that, you know, the problem is you, it's difficult to connect it because the doctors don't want to connect it. But and it might not be. I mean, there's a possibility that they're not connected, but there's also a strong possibility that they are connected, considering they happened directly after vaccination. So we should at least be able to talk about it. Right. Yeah. And, and to see how the rates, if the rates are much higher, especially in certain age groups um, or even genders. But I do know some people that have had heart palpitations and heart issues after the vaccine. So how long ago was it that you kind of woke up? I mean, I have to believe it's a little surreal for you to be like, I'm sitting across from Glenn Beck and... <laughs> He's loopy or whatever you used to think of me um, and me still. I don't mean to, um, you know, project uh, on you. But when did this turn happen um, with you in particular? No, no, no. With the whole I'm a liberal progressive. I'm I'm there to I don't know what I am, but I'm not that. You know, actually, a lot of it was when I would listen to your radio show without realizing I was listening to your radio show. Because I didn't recognize your voice because oh. I, I wasn't a big listener of your radio mm, show okay. before in, in huh. you know, full disclosure. That's fine. Um, and so I would be driving in my car and I would hear you talking and you'd make a lot of sense to me. And this was pro this was definitely during the Trump era. Mm -hmm. So you'd be saying things and I'd listen and I'd say, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden I'd hear the Glenn Beck program. <laughs> like, no way. <laughs> what in the world just happened to me? <laughs> <laughs> no way funny. that happened. <laughs> Don't tell anyone. <laughs> and it happened several times. I would just be mm. driving my car in L.A. and you would be on. I, I, I don't remember which station it would be, but I would be listening. Um, or at least I think it was in L.A. It might have yeah. been while I was in Idaho, but I would, I would listen. And this happened a number of times.
times. And then I called my dad at one point and I said, dad, you won't believe it because my dad's a big old, you know, hippie, hippie. progressive, right? And I'm like, I, I don't know why, but I'm agreeing with Glenn Beck lately. Yeah. I, I listened to his program and I, and I agree with him. I don't know what's going on. Is he becoming more reasonable or am I moving to the right? And I don't know which one it is. I don't, I don't think, I think there's something weird happening. I haven't changed, but I don't think people like you have changed either. We're just seeing th- that we've been called names or duped by the crazies on the very fringe. Yeah. And we were made to feel like you're one of them and I'm one of them. But when we talk to each other, we realize, oh, we have much more. income. I'm sure we could find a lot of policies and everything else sure. to argue about. But when principles are online, all of a sudden, we just lock in. Right. It's the people who aren't talking about principles that, you know, are yeah. still lost on both sides. And I also think when it comes to uh, left and right, it's probably a lot of the moral stuff. You know, people mm-hmm. fight against the moral things quite a bit. And so I think um, there are certain government policies based on morals that I do think still define the left and the right. But beyond that but even that's shifting and i think there's should government have a place in morals though i don't believe so so i I have a more libertarian viewpoint on Mm -hmm. that but um if you want to regulate certain aspects of a person's life like for me i am pro-choice on everything so i believe that that is a decision between me and my doctor and not my government or my boss Mm -hmm. for any of my medical decisions and i think that's been interesting now with the pandemic you've got a lot of people who um, on either side of that, on, on for women's uh, health, have been on either side of that, and then suddenly with the pandemic, mm-hmm. have had to kind of regear mm-hmm. how they think. You know whether they then say, "No, I do think you should allow the government to regulate." Mm-hmm. You know, people that were always saying, "No, no, no, no government regulation," now are like, "Oh, absolutely, we should right. mandate you. Yeah. You and must do what I say." It's weird how if you don't tie it to. If you don't, if you if you're not moored to something steady, solid, you know, a polar star of some sort, people are switching sides left and right. Yeah, I mean, it's like, wait, wasn't I supposed to be on the other side, and you were supposed to be on that side? It is. It's like the corporation thing. I used to hate that flag with the little corporate things up you know the logos for the stars have you ever seen that <laughs> yeah. i used to hate that i'd be like oh these hippies i would go to i would go to see things like uh you know any any dystopian and they would say i work for the corporation i'd be like <laughs> stop it but that's what's happening yeah it's weird it's just we find ourselves there's like an alignment a realignment happening between yeah. uh people and i i do find that i am agreeing more with people i didn't think i would agree with like yourself yeah and now I think you're right. If we sat down and really went point by point, we would find that we probably agree way more than we disagree. And even the things we might disagree on, it's a nuanced disagreement. It's, yeah. it's just about implementation, perhaps. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We're not, neither side of the monsters. You know, I, I, I said this years ago, walking down the street as me, um, in some cities. Are you able to do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, in some cities... No, um, some cities I can't even walk with my children um, with me because the things that are said and everything else in other cities, I'm a, I'm a hero, mm-hmm. you know, and I've said to my kids, dad's neither of those dad's neither of those. 
it's a cartoon distortion of who we really are. And if we can see that with everyone, this is there, there's when there is no nuance. That leads to book burning stuff. Well, and that's where we're at in our political sphere, unfortunately, right now. Yeah. Where do you go next? What are you what what is I mean, you have a very bright future. Thank you. Just going to keep uh, trucking away, hoping that I don't get canceled. <laughs> I mean, we'll oh. see where I go from here. Are you surprised that you being a progressive have, you know, you probably saw cancel culture differently? Yeah. You did? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I, what, in what way? That, uh, I mean, I think, and this is not a left or right thing. It's when things aren't happening to you, mm-hmm. you're like, oh. oh, it's not a problem. It's just happening to those people. No, I mean, in that way, I was always very against cancel culture. Oh, so good. I saw it differently than other people on my side of oh, the okay. aisle is what I was referring to. Yeah, I've always been against it. Wow, I always thought that this free speech, I mean, even if I think what you're saying is abhorrent, I need to be able to know that you even at least think it. I would prefer to, I prefer that personally. I, I'd, I'd like rather know. know my kids, so I can say, don't go play over at their house. Exactly. They're Nazis. You know what I mean? I want to know who people are. Absolutely, I agree. I want to know who hates me. Mm-hmm. I want to know all, all the things they think. I want to know these things. I don't, there's no value in hiding it. And then, as you mentioned, you know what, then your kids go to their house and play. And the next thing you know, they're indoctrinated with yeah, some, right. something that you didn't even know about. Right, right. Um, yeah, so I'm very against that cancel culture. Let me just ask you one last question. A year from now, and I know this is ridiculous, is the world at war? Yes. Well, what kind of war? A, either a cold war or hot war, but a global Split in half. Yeah, unfortunately, we definitely. I don't think that's going to be solved in a year from now. Is has Israel uh, and Iran are they actively engaged? I don't think so. Okay. Um, The economy in America better, worse, Worse, much worse, much worse, much worse in a year, one year from now. Yeah. Great reset implemented fully implemented uh or or not no not fully implemented and what does fully intimate uh, uh, implemented mean to you uh that you own nothing and you will be happy okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah well they say that'll be 2030 (laughs) um last last one digital programmable money a year from now or the dollar that we have uh i i think they're going to try to implement it but i think that um in some ways it's a good thing that our government is slow <laughs> so yeah i don't think they'll get it done in a year yeah. i think they'll, they'll still be discussing it mm. thank you so much thank you for having me back god bless just a reminder I'd love you to rate and subscribe to the podcast and pass this on to a friend so it can be discovered by other people. 